Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and power hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Welcome to a special edition of America Meditating Radio in collaboration with The Next Normal. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. As we continue to navigate life in this particular time, you must admit times are extremely unique. A hundred years ago, you and I would not be talking about the deeper aspects of life as we do on our show regularly. It has been quite eye-opening, but also quite soul-opening. The journeys that we find ourselves on, we would have never planned it this way. Things just have a way of happening to us, or let me just say, things have a way of happening for us. Look, for example, my mother, orphaned at seven, abandoned in orphanages after orphanages, protecting her younger siblings from not being abducted and abused by men who didn't have very good wishes. She wouldn't have planned that. But despite her rough beginnings, she was able to raise a daughter, got educated. I've been a good girl (laughs) to my best ability. And we didn't end up in the system. What was her driving force that kept her going? I'd say it's her courage. It's her love for God. I don't know. I think each of us have our own little spark of hope and strength in us that just to get through the hard moments. My guest today is Chris Duffin, and I want to tell you a little bit about Chris, as I am also learning about him. Chris went from being homeless and later living in a condemned trailer as a child to becoming a corporate executive owning his own gym and setting powerlifting world records. 
He's now the co-founder and chief engineer at Kabuki Strength, an organization devoted to optimizing human performance and making the world a better place through strength. Chris was previously ranked number one in the world in various powerlifting disciplines and has held numerous world records. Now retired, he's known for his industry-changing innovations in education in the strength and clinical world. Chris is the leading speaker on topics relating to strength and human movement and performs insane feats of strength to help charities and organizations whose work he believes in. He's the author of The Eagle and the Dragon, A Story of Strength and Reinvention. And please welcome Chris to America Meditating Radio and the Next Normal. Chris, I have never interviewed somebody like you before, and I can't wait to learn from you. <laughs> well, looking forward to it. How are you holding up with all of these changes swirling around in our world, not just in America? No, it's definitely tough on everyone, isn't it? It's been really interesting watching the different impacts that it has and the impacts on children and at-risk populations and the, oh my God, you talk to people in different parts of the country and so many people are struggling with mental health type issues and it's pretty far reaching the impacts that it has within that arena that uh, a lot of people don't really want to talk about. Yeah. How have you changed in the last maybe year? Have you recognized any changes? For me, it's been very subtle. It is so invisible, but yet I know something is happening and I'm realizing a lot of stuff in me that I really need to work on. And I'm celebrating the life that I've lived. Does that make sense? It does. So you had a question right before we got started. I was like, are you ready? Are you ready with your hair and everything? <laughs> and that's actually kind of a topic on social media when I put myself out there because I'm just raw. I'm just me. And there's been a lot more of that that has come out this last year is just being comfortable being in my own skin. And really, I've made a lot of shifts when I walked away from that executive career doing turnarounds in the aerospace and automotive manufacturing industry to start my own companies and try to bring about the change that I wanted in the world. And so that's been the last five years and now six years of doing this. And I'd say the changes this last year are more getting my personal self in align with that and just being okay with my faults. Maybe they're not faults, but just myself and, and being more open about that in the world. Even I wrote my book, I put a lot out there that was really hard, but I'd be in more of that. Like, why would I present myself? I'm not out meeting people like I did in my travels and they get to meet me and see who I really am. Like my social media, making myself get looking and appearing a certain way. And I see that's a big issue as a whole. And it's become more so because that's our connection to people right now, because we've only got these little circles and pods that we're dealing with for the most part. And so everything that you're interacting with the outside larger area is on these platforms that people are filtering and putting the best self up there. So yeah. I told you, I have a video called, uh, it's a bit of a poem, but it's called Unkempt. And it's me with my wild hair and just talking about like, yeah, if you've watched any of my content over the last year, you'll just see, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm just myself. And that's part of me. So I'm, I've got ADHD. I don't normally, if you run into me in person, I, I wear sweatpants because if I wear pants, I'll forget to zip them up. My hair's out there. Like that's just the way I am. And I'm okay with that. I love that because we have been brainwashed so long 
Can I tell you, I had a tea. This was many, many years ago. This must have been about maybe 15 years ago. And I met this model on Vogue cover, Cosmopolitan. We were meeting about doing something for meditation and some of the top lining department stores in New York City. And I was expecting to meet the woman that I saw on the front cover of all of those magazines. So, Chris, I'm sitting in this place, this coffee shop, waiting to meet her. And she passed right by me like two times and I couldn't recognize her until she said, Sister Jenna, and I said, yes. And she was a completely different person. I had not known that I was under the conditioning that women just looked like the cover of a Vogue magazine. Right. And I had realized at that point how many young girls are forcing themselves to fit into a package that they will never be able to fit in. Yep. And I'm not saying not to take care of yourself, obviously. That's just me, right? Like my wife loves fashion. She enjoys that herself, that process herself. And my point is to just be yourself. And if people aren't okay with it, that's fine. That's on them. But it's really resonated well. I mean, a lot of people follow me just because you meet me in person. I'm this same character you get online. People find that really refreshing. Yeah. that I put everything out there. But I started taking away some of those more trappings and being okay with people like going, oh my God, you need to shave your head. You need to do this. You need to wear this. I don't need to do any of those things. And if it bothers you, maybe that's something for you to turn and look inward, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, we are the ones that have to change ourselves if we want to see the world in a better place. So your upbringing has given you a lot of opportunities to grow, but to also be an instrument to help inspire others. And even as you were speaking, I felt so compelled to kind of go back five, six years ago when you were having this massive internal thinking process where you felt you need to get out of corporate, but something else in you was emerging for you to fulfill. I was curious to hear What was your mindset at that time, if you remember? And would you say it was a result of your upbringing that there was something in you that was swirling away inside of you and it just knew that it had to move you in a different direction? Absolutely. So my book is broken into two pieces, the the eagle and the dragon. And the eagle is that first story of growing up in the wilderness, dealing with drug running and murderers and serial killer and like all sorts of really wild stuff. But the second half starts in 2015 when I had gone away from all that. I've proven myself successful in the world. I've gotten dual engineering degree. I got an MBA. I'd excelled. I'd taken care and raised my three sisters while I was going through school. And I had lived in a house with a white picket fence. I had two kids. I had an amazing sought after career where I didn't have to look for work. People would come to me saying, hey, can you come you know, take a look at this company and turn it around or prep it for sale or grow it from a regional to a national to an international or whatever it is? That's the type of work I did. Paid well, right? And I got to enjoy a good life and I worked hard, but I was sitting there and I was watching my kids get a little bit older. My son's you know, five, six years old. My daughter's you know, two or three years younger than him. And and they're starting to hit an age that, well, my son's the age of the, the start of my book, where I'm learning to hold live rat capture and hold live rattlesnakes by hand because we're living in tree forts in the wilderness. And 
there's rattlesnake dens around. I have to learn how to be safe. And I, I look at my son and he's that age. And I'm like, oh my God, like I don't regret anything in my life. And I wouldn't trade the way I've lived for any reason, but it just brought this sadness to me. Thinking about my children living in that same environment. That's when it really started hitting me, like the life that I'd grown up and how really different it was and making me think about what was important to me. I owned a gym on the side. I was a top athlete in the world for what I did and coach people after work in my gym before heading home just because I love mentoring. I love coaching. That's why I was good at my job in corporate America. Uh, people don't realize like turnaround work is not some fancy business plan and reorganization and letting people go. Or, like for me, it was you transform people individually, personally, and the organism transforms and that brings lasting change. And that's what I did. And so like, that's what I loved doing, but there was so much missing for me. And I knew time I'd been doing clinical continuing education to be a better athlete, to be as good as I could be. And I was discovering again with this like engineering mindset, you know, the way my brain works with the way I am. And I started seeing these connections and understanding a way of looking at how the body works and in space under load. And, and I could get people out of pain. The click of a finger, I could make videos and drop them online. And it was changing people's lives, getting them out of pain and getting them back to training. And that is so empowering. And I would do that in the gym. And that was better than setting a world record, right? It was like being able to have that impact on somebody. And so I'm going a little long here with this story, but it, this was a very transitional point in my life. And I realized I was being in the world what I felt I needed to prove who I was, that this poor white trash kid from the sticks yeah. that should have failed on all accounts could be I successful and could live in the house in the white picket fence. I'm driving myself crazy. I'd show up at work and I'd have to be this perfect executive. And I'm not. I'm bipolar. I'm ADHD. I'm very creative. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have a creative outlet. I wasn't being myself. So I walked away from everything in my life at that point in time. Chris, you were a living and an emerging masterpiece. I, I mean, you, you I, have I, to call it what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what it is when there's so many different pieces in our lives. It's just not all together like the Beaver movie. And we keep thinking that Leave it to Beaver's mom and dad was the way that we are all supposed to have been in, in terms of family. Yeah. And sometimes and it's just not like that. Actually, I don't think it's ever been and like I, that. I'm like, I proved it. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> and why am I so unhappy? And here's my kids growing. That was a stimulus to go. I need to show my children, not through talking, but through yeah, example, example, walking the walk, that they can be who they want, that they can form the world around them, however they choose to be whatever it is. And I don't care what it is for them. I want them to know that they can create that for themselves. And to me, there's so much more than parenting of just like, we see so many parents that they want to be and protect and be everything for their kids but then they're nothing for their kids because they lose their own identity, which tells their kids that when they grow old, they're nothing. They're just going to subjugate. You need to be a great parent, but also be a great human and do what you're meant to do in the world. Find your purpose and live that. And, and so to me, that's the biggest part of my legacy, that impact to my kids to be able to talk to them, but not even having to say a word to see that they can see how I live my life and that they can do whatever they want to do as well. And so Brilliant. I walked away from 
everything in my life. And some of it, people would challenge me and say, well, that's a bad move and, and disappointing. But I walked away from that career. I walked away from my competitive lifting. I was ranked number one in the world for like eight years straight. I said competing in that platform just isn't what I want to do anymore. I'm walking away from my career. I'm starting a business by myself with no funding out of my garage. Well, I had the gym too. And I walked away from my marriage at the same time. I had a very comfortable relationship with a partner who was a great friend. She's an amazing mother. And that was so hard on me because I didn't want to disrupt the family. And I wasn't okay anymore with just living and being because that was the right thing. A marriage should be a passionate thing. It should be something where you're sharing each other's vision and future. I put everything out there. I had a couple homes. I was building another one. I sold all of that, sold my vehicles, put up my 401k and everything that I worked for for the last 20 years, and then ran up millions of dollars in debt so that if I failed, I'd still have to, if I went back to the old successful career, I'd still be living in the apartment that I was living in and really set about driving that change. And it's really crazy. I created this environment that started drawing people to it that loved the vision. We didn't hire people for jobs. I created a culture and environment and it became a magnet to suck people in. So and one of the people was the love of my life. Oh, I finally was like, <laughs> oh my God, I got sideswiped by that. Like I had no idea what you see in movies and read in books. Oh my God, I'm 40 years old and that stuff's real. Nobody <laughs> warned me about that. <laughs> that was it's like those so, Bollywood movies. I don't know if you've ever watched those Indian movies. They show you love like, oh, my gosh, you want something like that, too. Yeah, you find out, oh, my God, that's real? <laughs> I wasn't warned about this, so that was uh, interesting. So I got remarried, third kid, and built a globally recognized brand. And the bigger thing is that's what we do is we help people live a better quality of life. Congratulations. I'm happy for you. I had a question that kept coming up again and again. As you were talking, have you ever felt a unique vibration when somebody meets you? Because as I'm talking to you, it's very clear you're a very sensitive, compassionate, open, authentic person, which means you're very empathic, very soft, very warm. But then when somebody sees you, they see this one of the strong men and maybe you walk into the room, you know, with those muscles out there. And I'm like, hey, Chris, you know, and it's just like. But behind that veneer is this gentle spirit. Have you ever struggled observing, watching the real gentle you communicate in relationships while people try to adjust? Anybody that gets to know me learns really fast that I'm a giant teddy bear. As my wife says, I have all the feels in the world. People learn that really fast, but some people still like in the work environment and like people that don't have a closer connection to have like that conversation with you there is just a view that gets had because you're this figure. You're physically intimidating figure. I'm always thinking about a million things. So my resting face, like I'm a thousand miles away all the time. And then there's also the people that have some semblance of knowledge of who you are. And then that builds anymore. Like, oh my God, you're this figure. You're Chris Duffin. And so, well, I guess I'm used to being judged. I have been my whole life. So imagine you're covered in dirt. You're toes are sticking out the side of your shoes. You just came down from the mountains. You're judged. And we were the white trash. We were without value. In my book, our family was taken and being sold into a pedophile ring that preyed on poor families like us because no one 
was there. No one cared. And then same thing going through school, lots of judgments, lots of looked down at, even by the people that shouldn't, right? And then as I started getting older, I started developing this physical presence. I'd be working out in the gym and people would want to know, hey, where do you bounce at? Because I'm this big, I'm covered in tattoos and I'm like, no, I do this. And you start explaining what you do and they're like, oh my God. And then you go to work and people hire you because they want you to be this hardcore boss, you know, and drive, drive <laughs> discipline, drive, make those people it, and find out that they got somebody completely different, ends up delivering a lot more because of how I operate. But it's always perceptions. And I've, I've definitely dealt with it my whole life because yeah, physically, I'm a very intimidating person. So it, it's tough. You have to learn to temper things. You're like a little panda bear inside. <laughs> yes. So I've got a bunch of different buildings for our company. And so our warehouse building, I'm not in all the time. And I can walk through and I can say something to somebody and I have to be careful that they understand. I'll be like, hey, you know, they're doing something. I'm like, have you thought about doing it this way? Because that's what I do. I'm the engineering, the efficiency, whatever. And so I might suggest something, but then I have to take a step back and say, I'm not telling you how to do this. And I have to temper it and cover that conversation because oftentimes people will take that as, oh my God, the big boss man, the Chris told me, I have to make this change, even though that is very far from what I suggested. All I wanted to get was for the person to take a step back and think about what they're doing and how they're doing it and the movements that they're going through and see what they discover and see if they can find a different approach or a different way where they may read it as I was being coming in, criticizing and tell them exactly how to do something. And that you learn that people take that away. Often. Yeah, they try to. Well, you know, welcome to the world of leadership when you're constantly getting everything thrown at you. But when you make the whole team successful, everybody's lauding you, you know, and they don't realize <laughs> the amount of energy leaders put in to make sure everyone is okay as well as themselves. Now, I'm taking the conversation in a place I wasn't expecting to, but it's something that you have brought up a few times in our conversation today. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to address it because I want to learn and I'm sure our audience too wants to. You've mentioned a few times about being raised as white trash. And usually in the country, you're kind of pushed aside. My toes are coming through my shoes and I'm coming down. I'm all, you know, looking kind of you know, straggly as I go to school. And in America, one of the interesting things I've been noticing, a lot of individuals that seem to be a little bit anti-colorful, and if you enjoy my royal way of explaining what I'm trying to convey to you, but that they're anti-colorful in which they're struggling with accepting certain races, certain folks of skin color, right? Mm -hmm. And it seems to be a lot of individuals that are in this genre of what you might call the white trash tribe. Because when folks talk to me, I ask the question, white trash means what? You're not making enough money. It means that, you know, you're living in a trailer park and, and stuff like that. Explain to me what it means and what's the difference between white trash and somebody who is black living in the ghetto? And why can't both of you come together to see how you can uplift each other? And that's usually my naivety or my desire or my dream. Could you speak a little bit on that? Do you see some sort of a common ground between these two races in America, Chris? Can your bodybuilding, can your motivation, can your life become something that says, look, I don't care 
if you're black or white. I mean, look, Dwayne The Rock Johnson uses your equipment. I mm-hmm. mean, he's like pushing your brand. He didn't care if you were black or white, white trash or no trash, right? So what do you think we can learn from you to somehow raise a part of our America that might be in the genre of the white trash and are saying black people are like this, they say niggers are this and that, to just say they're not. We're all struggling in this thing together. What can we do together? That's what I want. Yep. Do you have any thoughts about that? Is that um, something clear? It is, but I might need to explain my take, I guess, on that. So I view the word white trash as people are looking at somebody that's poor and impoverished, but also that they're there because they're they're uneducated, they're adding no value to society, so on. And, you know, I could use the word mountain folk, because even what I'm referring to is not the same thing as like Trailer Park America. That would have been a huge upgrade from us living in the mountains and having to go down to the stream to fill up a jug of water to sit on a rock all day so that it heats up and you've got something to wash yourself with. We had no access to TV. We had no access to radio. So my upbringing is, it doesn't really tie to to that genre per se. I'm just trying to use an example of I was judged, right? I'm certainly not saying I understand what it is to be a person of color or to be any other marginalized individual, but my life has given me the view of tremendous scope and to be able to understand that people are going to have very different feelings and perceptions of the same event, the same conversation and all those. And the most important people in my life are all women. Like they're the strongest people, like my wife, my three sisters, my mother, and I've got two daughters and a son, but my mom has been just a tremendous influence on myself. That was everything around me. And seeing how women can be abused or used and just different things in society, I've got the utmost respect. I'm a big promoter of anything in that arena, but I can't speak for other individuals and I don't try to. I don't want to represent anyone. All I can do is represent myself. There's huge opportunities to always look inward, to use introspection, to become a better version of yourself. And that's the areas that I try to focus on. But you're 100% right. When you were talking about, there's no difference between, you know, someone growing up in the ghetto versus someone growing up in the trailer park. They're both going to have struggles. They're both going to be slightly different as they go through society and things like that. But there's no reason that there should be us versus them. We all have struggles. I had it worse than anyone else. Anybody reads my book, I very much don't read that. I'm trying to share the fact that we all have our own struggles, but the only thing that we can do is understand that it doesn't define us. What defines us is what we do with that, how we respond, what our actions are. And we can, whenever possible, use those is something to try to develop some more resilience from, to be able to know that there's going to be other stuff that comes at me. And because I handled that, because I got through that, I can take on the next thing. And it's just like the strength training. Yeah, I got big biceps. You go into the gym, you do curls. The body responds. This is physiology becoming more resilient versions so you can handle the additional stresses in the future. You break your arm and put it in a cast, it starts to atrophy. If we don't use the struggle, the strife, the stress, the challenges in life, we are starting down that process of death. Absolutely right. I'm not over speaking. You put a cast on, that's what happens. You take your cast off, your arm smaller. Absolutely correct. Rest and relaxation is absolutely important. Meditation, all this stuff, the things that you have to have, but you also have to have the things to adapt to because if we don't, 
we become weaker. So it's yes. this balance of back and forth. Yes. If you go to the gym really hard, but only do it every two months, you're never going to make any progress forward. It's just going to be a really tough, challenging thing. Sometimes I feel like we're all just trying to find that balance. You know, like with the dumbbells, if one side of the dumbbell is heavier than the other, you're going to tip over. And I've often felt like life is such a balancing act, Chris. We're trying to find the balance of how much inner yeah. work do I do with the outer work? How much Just enough, but not yeah. too much. And I'm still working on that. I want to talk about the kabuki strength before we come to a close in our wonderful conversation together. You call yourself the chief visionary officer. Why not CEO? Well, I'm not CEO. Someone else actually runs the company. Okay. So I did that type of work for almost 20 years. And my business partner, Rudy Cadlib, he's 72 years old, the strongest septuagenarian in the world, by the way. He just did a 520-pound deadlift on his 72nd birthday. So we started training together when he was like 58, and he wanted to get stronger. And at 72, he's probably in better health than he was when he was 35 or 40. My role is about looking to the future. It's about seeing the changes that are happening in the construct of the world, how things are shifting and changing and how our products and our education is going to be ahead of that, how we're going to pull and create together a cohesive system. So I don't make things to make money. Yeah. What I want to do is I want to change the face of fitness all the way through its integration with clinical care and create a cohesive system that actually has the coaches talking with the clinicians and integrated with the movement principles and do rehab to the equipment that we use because this is exactly what we need to do. We've been shoving everybody through the same process. We all have different leverages. We all have different mobility restrictions. We all have different needs, right? And so it goes all the way through and how we assess on a clinical standpoint being able to look at things through a neurological lens to be able to then define, okay, are we going to take a fascial-based approach? Or are we going to take a movement-based approach? And at the end of the game, the day is we need to get a person to loaded movement because that is where we start adapting. That's where we start making progress and become more resilient for the things that come in the future. But it's a massive plan that is, at the end of the day, when it's complete, is going to reshape those worlds entirely I'm sure and that's what my job is is seeing these threads in all these different areas and connecting that and building that into a vision and making sure and guiding us that direction so i have literally no authority nobody reports to me in our organizations but i'm on the leadership teams right so you and are the so chief visionary officer I, I mentor I'm involved in the product creation and I work closely with our engineering manager, but I am the chief visionary. As you can see, that's a very fitting role for who I am and what I do. And my counterpart actually has all the authority and he's the CEO and I work really closely with him. That's fantastic. And that's your humility speaking. And I love that. I love the way you really navigate around who you really are in your big, magnificent way. And you want to keep it real. And I feel like that's a way that you're protecting yourself and your state of mind in your future. Is there one particular word that you find that you use a lot that keeps you motivated that you could leave us with today? I could do a lot. <laughs> one word. Uh, so 
We already hit on resilience, intent, making sure that when we do things, we are thoughtful and intentful with our actions, that we approach our life, our family, we approach our work and everything that we do, we understand the intention. We're not just doing because it's routine. Intent is very important. Beautiful. I like that word a lot too. Actually, it's a really important word in the age that we're in to get us back to some sort of a normalcy. We do so many things that we think that we're expected to do and the way we interact and just like we fall in these habits. Mm. Be intentful. Yeah. Be intentful and be mindful. Chris Duffin, thank you so much and congratulations on the consistent evolving of your life into something better for our humanity and your family. Is there a website that you can leave us with and keep us updated on how Kabuki is coming? I'd love to kind of be a part of that and hear more of how it's helping people to come to that emotional and physical wellness. Absolutely. So I'm really easy to find anywhere. So you just type Chris Duffin into the internet or social media. That's Duffin, like muffin, but with a D. All right. But ChrisDuffin.com or ChristopherDuffin.com. On that, there'll be links to all my businesses, Kabuki Strength, which is education and equipment, coaching in this basically physical realm. That's what we do. Get people out of pain, get them more resilient. We work with anybody and everybody. Barefoot Athletics, the best of minimalist shoes, Build Fast Formula, which is my supplementation. What's really cool is there's also a link to find my book. There's a free download link so you can get an Audible download as well as one other book if you sign up for Audible through uh, the link on my website. So it's great. And then there's links again to me on social media. Uh, We have a coaching team that releases education nearly every single day. So I've got a staff, full video production crew, and we put out the content for free. So it's on the Kabuki Strength YouTube or Kabuki underscore virtual coaching on Instagram. You'll see videos about how to move better and live a better quality of life in the physical realm. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn are like my favorite places that I interact on. Thank you so much, Chris Duffin. I really appreciated getting to know you more and being a part of your journey. And again, continued blessings and good wishes in everything that you do. Same with you. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank you. All the best. Everyone, I hope you've taken a lot from our conversation with Chris Duffin and you've gotten all the information. Actually, I'm going to get on that website to start to move because I need to learn to move. I don't know why I'm so physically, emotionally lazy with pushing my body. And it's funny because I took the 23andMe experiment and it says I'm supposed to be some great Olympic athlete. And if you see body, mind and soul. We find a lot of people focus on just one area. You have to have all. You're going to have to come and inspire me here in Washington because I tell you, it takes a lot to get me moving. But I'm going to go on your website and see what some of your trainers are offering us because I do know that I need my body to be given the amount of energy that I give to my mind. So thank you for reminding me of that today. Everybody, if you loved our conversation between myself and Chris, please drop us a message. You can go to Chris's website or drop us a message on our meditation museum comment list or email us or even on America Meditating Radio. Know that you're very loved and remember no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And I'm suspecting that we're actually here on planet Earth to develop the ability to love each other the same. Take care. Be safe.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.